Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Chief Zone Podcast, and I am your host, Farzine Visugi, and the bye week is over with. Kansas City looks to improve on its 2-2 two and two start to the season, uh, a very up-and-down season so far, and they will try to do that this week when they face the Oakland Raiders. They'll be visiting the Raiders, uh, could possibly soon be the Las Vegas Raiders, we'll find out, uh, but nonetheless, the Chiefs will be facing a, a very hot Raiders football team that uh, I think a lot of people underestimated going into this uh, this season, and I've been saying it all, all along, this is a team that's uh, that's on the rise, uh, I've been saying that for a year and a half now, after last year's draft, the 2015 draft, I, I saw a lot of special things and uh, some of the moves they made in that offseason, and uh, th- this Raiders team is uh, is coming together, which is funny because just two years ago, this was a very uh, a winless team that looked like they could have gone 0-16, and what do you know, uh, they, they snapped that losing streak against Kansas City at Oakland two years ago. Uh, I think that was right before Thanksgiving week. Just a very crazy uh, turn of events for the Raider, for Raiders fans the past year and a half. And, and I kind of want to touch on that because I, I, I spoke about that in last year's podcast when the Chiefs and Raiders played. I'll get to it again because this is the Raiders football team that I think has been built together very, very well. And I'll say this right now. This is probably going to anger a lot of Chiefs fans. But if I had to make an NFL comparison, I would have to compare the Raiders to the Kansas City Royals. Both teams have been bad for a very long time, but both the Chiefs and, or pardon me, the, the Royals and the Raiders, uh, they've had some special talent on their team for a while. It's just they were still missing a lot of pieces. Look at the Royals. They had Mike Moustakis, Eric Hosmer, Alex Gordon, a couple other guys in that mix as well. Salvador, Salvador Perez, I should also throw in there. And eventually they... Got a couple more guys. Uh, they, they traded Zach Greinke and ended up getting uh, Alcide Escobar, uh, Lorenzo Kane, and then a couple other guys uh, to be part of the mix, especially that bullpen. And the Raiders have kind of had that for a while. They've had some talented players on that football team for quite some time, and now that football team is coming together. And I said it after the, the draft last year. I said the Raiders are going to look back at the Facebook page, which I'll uh, I'll promote in just a moment, but. I said this Raiders football team is going to compete for the division in 2016. 2015 is going to be that we're no longer a rebuilding year phase for the Raiders. And gosh, I'll tell you, man, the Raiders might have been, might be the worst football team we've seen the past uh, 12 years. I mean, they have not finished above 500 since that Super Bowl loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know a lot of you will disagree and say the Browns. But listen, man, even the Browns finished above 500. They went 10 and 6 under Romeo Crennel. Romeo! <laughs> um, they didn't make the playoffs, unfortunately, that year, but this is still a Raiders football team that I think uh, they're going to do a lot of damage this year and for years to come. Uh, we'll touch on that more as we go on in this podcast here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzi Vasugan. Once again, thank you guys for listening to the podcast, making me part of your weekend. Uh, if you guys want to be part of the show, be sure you do so on Facebook, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine. Also, follow me on Twitter at farzine21. By the way, I, I got a lot of great comments from the last podcast. Uh, if you were expecting me to shout, yell, be angry, be pissed off, uh, you listened to the wrong podcast, man. I, I just wasn't going to do, do that in the last podcast. I just wasn't. Uh, if the Chiefs continuously get beat up like that, okay, then maybe I'll have a podcast like that where you guys can enjoy uh, enjoy listening uh, while I scream like an idiot. But for now, that's not going to be the... I like to at least make it entertaining. And uh, I had no idea what the reception was going to be, but apparently a lot of people loved it. So that's great. I appreciate you guys giving me feedback as well. Uh, positive or negative. Uh, either way, uh, you guys are listening to the show, so I, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, th- th- this podcast could not be possible if it's not for you, the listeners. Uh, I'm not going to really deal with Snapchat anymore uh, because it was a fun experiment while it lasted, but it was a very short one. Uh, Haven't really gotten a lot of snaps lately. I feel like I'm describing Pokemon Go. I mean, this was really a one-hit wonder project. It was fun while it lasted, uh, but if you guys want to snap me, for those of you who still have it, uh, go ahead and do so. Otherwise, uh, I'm really not going to talk about that on the show anymore. We'll just stick with Facebook and Twitter as our primary source of interaction here on the podcast. Real quickly, uh, before we get into 
the main subject. Of course, we're going to break down the Chiefs and Raiders game. Big matchup here, and I think this rivalry has finally reignited. It's a more meaningful rivalry, and we'll touch on that later on. Also, we'll go around the NFL, out of bounds, and I'll throw my penalty flags for this week. But I want to start off kind of sharing a funny story. Uh, I, for those of you who know, I, I do play Madden. I'm, I'm a video gamer. I have a, I have a PS4. Uh, for those who want to add me, it's, it's uh, my screen name, Farzine521. Uh, uh, that's my username on the PlayStation Network. Uh, <laughs> I, I was playing a guy, and by the way, Madden, I, I don't buy Madden every single year. I usually get it every other year. And I don't know how long this has been the, the case with Madden Online, but there's no lobby. Uh, usually, you can actually see who your opponent picks before you both agree to a match. And that's not the case. You pick your own team. Then it starts searching for an opponent, and you don't even know who your opponent is until basically kickoff. So I I, I always pick the Chiefs. I'm never the guy who picks the best team on Madden. I, I always go with my team. And it turns out there's another guy who uses the Chiefs. And so there was a Chiefs on Chiefs Nacho, and I was like, okay, nah, I don't care. I, I'll do it. it. It could be fun for all I know. The guy immediately wanted to do a friendly quit. For those of you not into video video games, you can, add, you can quit – Without it affecting your online record. So I said, no, I, I, I want to play. Like, let's go. Let's play this game. And the guy got really angry at me. Uh, he, he thought this was going to be a really bad match. And then he goes, oh, I'm going to kick your butt. Uh, you're, you're an idiot. I'm actually using uh, PG versions of what he was actually saying. Uh, but uh, he, he was really upset. And he said he was going to beat the crap out of me, out of me uh, on the game. I ended up making him rage quit at the start of the fourth quarter. I posted the screenshot on uh, on social media. The guy was trash-talking, saying how he was going to beat me up and all that. And he ended up struggling in the game. His reason was that the jerseys are too similar. Look, I, I was the away team, so I had the Chiefs' white uniforms and red pants. He had the red shirts and white pants. I had no problem seeing the difference. I, I mean, some people might be colorblind. I don't know if that was the case with him. I saw the field just fine. I could see the difference between the white jerseys, which were which were which was my team, and the the red jersey, which was his Chiefs team. I had no problems with that at all. By the way, right before halftime, I uh, I uh, scored a touchdown on a long screen pass with Jamal Charles. So uh, I think uh, he's the one who sucked. Yeah, I, I get this a lot on video games. I don't know if you guys do. More specifically with Madden when I beat an opponent or if they don't get a first down on fourth and inches. Uh, they end up saying I'm hacking the game or I'm glitching, whatever. Uh, I know people are capable of doing that, especially with Call of Duty when they don't even die at all. Uh, they just have unlimited uh, ammo and they, they you can shoot them as much as you want and they don't go down. Uh, I know there's some sort of hack to that. I'm not smart enough to even figure out how the hell people do that. So I always laugh when people accuse me of uh, of hacking on Grand Theft Auto Five or Call of Duty or Madden, whatever it is. I always chuckle because I don't even know how you do that stuff. I really don't. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, I just had to share that story. Do you think it's uh, too hard to see or differentiate white jerseys and red jerseys? I don't know. Let me know. I mean, I posted that screenshot, and people immediately wanted to play me, and I said, look, as long as you're okay with the Chiefs versus Chiefs matchup, assuming we're both Chiefs fans, that's fine. And everyone said, hey, look, that's fine. I still want to play you. So uh, I guess it's just him. Who knows? One other thing I do want to touch on, and again, before I get into this subject, I am not making this a political podcast. I'm just not. Uh, I know we kind of got into that a little bit with the – National Anthem protests that the players are doing. And look, I think that's a topic. You still have to discuss that. Uh, but as far as this here, I, I'm not going to get too political. What I'm referring to is Donald Trump's comments last weekend about sexual consent and uh, sexual harassment that um, that's come out with really, really a uh, turn of events for Donald Trump in, in terms of his um, his standings with the polls and the voters. But the, the whole – he ended up using the – locker room talk as excuse and the moment i always love to stay on social media uh twitter and facebook i i'll, I'll always alternate on my phone just to see what people are saying I, uh, when they're live tweeting then i'll even join in on the conversation too but uh the moment he said locker room talk social media just went off and by the way speaking of that uh speech on sunday the guy at the end ken bone Looks like he could be Andy Reid's younger brother. Uh, just a complete mirror image of Andy Reid from 10 years ago. 
I just had to throw that out there. But as far as Donald Trump's locker room talk, a lot of athletes have spoke out about this, including Chris Conley. Now listen, there's no secret here that guys might, I mean, if you're around a guy, you might talk about certain girls. Like if you see a group of girls, you might say, oh, hey, uh, look at those group of girls. They're pretty hot. I mean, look, I've said it. A lot of guys have said it. I know girls don't like hearing that kind of stuff. Some girls, they do. That's fine. Uh, but but look, let's not act like guys don't talk that way. Now, are there guys who, who might say what Donald Trump said? Absolutely. But there's a very small percent. I mean, those are perverts. Those are a small percentage of guys who say those kinds of things. Now, let's be fair here. Women talk like this too. It, it, in a certain way. But let me take that back. Women don't talk like that. Women talk about guys in a certain way. They might... They might say certain things about a guy. I mean, they might talk about his looks. It's funny, if uh, if a group of guys look at a group of girls and say they're hot, it, it comes off negative. But if a group of girls say it about a group of good-looking guys, it comes off positive. Like, oh, hey, that's what they said. You got those comments from the girls. So, you know, it's um, we, we keep talking about equality, and we've got to be honest – uh, when women make a certain comment, it doesn't have the same negative tone uh, like it would if, if if a man were to say it. So, uh, you know, women make certain comments, too. There, there is no secret about that. Now, I don't want to get into a, a gossip podcast, either. My point here is, I've been in locker rooms before. I've also been around athletes outside of their locker rooms. I've heard them talk in certain ways. Uh, I can assure you right now, that's all locker room talk. And I don't know if he's necessarily referring to gym locker rooms or football team locker rooms, basketball team locker rooms, or what. Uh, either way, I, I, I've, I, I'm rarely around guys who talk like that. And quite honestly, I think that's offensive to to guys. It really is. Especially to pro athletes. Uh, a lot of them spoke out about Even college athletes, too. A lot of them spoke out uh, about this. And listen, if I'm a presidential candidate, I, I've got to watch out with everything I say. Let's not forget about Donald Sterling when he was recorded and he made the racist comments about African Americans at his basketball games. And now we have we have the same thing with Donald Trump and his comments that were on the record, recorded, and recently released, and just the backlash he's receiving from it. I mean, even his own family have kind of been embarrassed by it. His running mate uh, Hunter Pence has been embarrassed by it. It's uh, it's one of those situations where. Again, from a presidential standpoint, you're you're hurting yourself quite a lot. And as far as the whole locker room talk thing, that's that's just baloney. Uh, it's um, you know, I think even as a sports fan, I, I just take offense to that. I really do uh, because I'd like to think that my favorite players don't talk like that. I sure. I, I mean, if it, let's be honest here, if and again, this is just an example. If Jamal Charles spoke like that. And if that audio tape was released, how many people are going to start burning Jamal Charles jerseys and uploading them to their social media sites? A lot of people. Listen, we live in an era where people love to show off when they hate an athlete. And if they make a comment or they do a certain action that's disagreeable... Uh, people will uh, will will let it be known that that they don't like the player anymore. If Jamal Charles made a comment like that, man, I, I'd be embarrassed to be a Chiefs fan. I really would. So I just had to get that off my chest because that's been a very big topic with uh, sports talk uh, just overall this week across the media. And just from my experience being around players, I can assure you that that kind of talk does not go on in locker rooms. Again, do certain guys talk like that? Yes, but a very small percentage of them do. I mean, I, I can't sit here and say all guys talk so nice and perfect. I mean, no, they, no one here in, the, in this world is perfect. There are bad people. And it's kind of funny with fans. A lot of people say, oh, well, Raiders fans are classless. Well, look, I mean, you can't sit here and tell me that every single Chiefs fan is classy. I have seen classless, idiotic Chiefs fans at Arrowhead many times in the past. That doesn't mean all of Arrowhead Stadium represents that kind of action. So just keep that in mind uh, when you hear things like that. Yeah, I mean, sure, Raiders fans, oh, I mean, Raiders fans are known to be uh, 
pretty wild and chaotic, but I, but, but I still know a few Raiders fans. I, I was actually good friends with uh, with a guy who I worked with uh, during my time when I was a student at KU, uh, who's a Raiders fan. And uh, I mean, he's a chill dude. He's not he's not all crazy idiotic out in the streets just trying to bully people or anything like that. I mean, he's a very chill dude too, also. But uh, again, it's not every single fan is like that too. You know, I, I think in the state of Kansas, uh, a lot of people have friends who are. KU fans and K-State fans, and then there's all this talk about classless and all that, but I'm not going to get into that. You guys get the idea. So I just had to get that off my chest and talk about that here on the podcast. All right, enough of that. Let's move on. Of course, the big game between the Chiefs and the Raiders this week at Oakland. And by the way, funny story, uh, real quickly. Uh, the game is at 3.05. Uh, my family and I are going to be in Vegas this weekend, and we made reservations uh, for 3.30 to watch the uh, Chiefs and Raiders game, and I just completely lost track of the schedule <laughs> because I thought the game was going to be 3.25. I said, okay, all right, we, we could show up a little early and they might get us a table, uh, but um, uh, it turns out that uh, I'm going to be 25 minutes late. We can always catch the game somewhere or, or even show up early. They tend to get you a table, or you can at least watch the game while you're waiting, so uh, fumble on me right there. Fumble on me. Uh, I guess I could throw a penalty flag on myself, but uh, I'm not going to do that on this podcast. But Chiefs and Raiders this weekend in Oakland. Uh, I'll be in Vegas to catch the game, which will be a little weird. It'll be it'll be one o'clock uh, Vegas time. It, it's uh, I I don't think I've ever watched an NFL game in Vegas before. Uh, I've been to Vegas almost once a year, usually not during football season. So this will be interesting to kind of watch a game, uh, catch a game. From Vegas this time. Okay, I've got to talk about this because I posted on the social media page that, you know, the Raiders are, they're on a roll this season, 4-1, and tied for first place in the AFC West with the Broncos. Now, I'm recording this as uh, Thursday Night Football is happening, so the Broncos and Chargers match up. uh, I mean, if the Chargers are able to win that football game, and if the Chiefs defeat the Raiders... Uh, we've got an interesting uh, mix here uh, on top of the AFC West. The Chiefs would not necessarily le- tie for first in the AFC West because they had a bye week, so they are well, one game short. Uh, but if the, I mean, if the Chiefs were uh, if they were active last week and had won, and then ended up winning this week and getting help from the Chargers, they would be in first place. Had the season ended, they would win the AFC West, but uh, not the case because of the bye week. Uh, but either way, I mean, eventually everyone will, will get a bye week. But I, I posted a, a post on the uh, on the Facebook page, and I asked fans, you know, what are your thoughts going into this game, going into this matchup, coming off a bye week? And... Some fans, they keep talking about how the Raiders haven't beaten anybody and that this is a winnable game for the Chiefs and that their 4-1 record is misleading. Now look, I know the Chiefs' 9-0 record in 2013 was misleading. The 10-game winning streak last year was very misleading. Yes, I mean, they they got a win over the the Broncos, um, but that was the only good quality victory they got last year. Now listen, I'm not saying you will ever apologize for a win. You never do. You always go out there and win. You've got to do it. But we have the strength of victory statistic for a reason. And I'll tell you what, for for those who want to say that the Raiders haven't beaten anyone, guess what, people? The Chiefs haven't beaten anyone either. Like I said with... You know, the, the locker room talk and how men and women talk. And I said, hey, let's be fair. Let's be fair here also. Who are the Chiefs beaten? They beat the Chargers and they beat the Jets. Guess how many wins each of those teams have? Just one. Just one. Who did the Chiefs lose to? They lost to the Texans and they lost to the Steelers. By the way, those two teams are currently leading their respective divisions right now. And again, don't don't bring this excuse about how, you know, those are difficult opponents. The, the goal is to win a Super Bowl. If you want to get to a Super Bowl, you have to win against good quality football teams. And the Chiefs haven't done that this year. They've beaten up on crappy football teams. And, and quite honestly, that horrendous coaching job by Mike McCoy in the fourth quarter, going in prevent defense way too early, 
Had he not done that, the Chiefs wouldn't even be... The Chiefs would be a one wooden football team right now. So, to say that the Raiders haven't beaten anyone... Uh, number one, uh, I think that's unfair because the Chiefs haven't beaten anyone either. Number two, I, I completely disagree with that that statement right there. That The Raiders haven't beaten anyone. Uh, they got a big win over the Baltimore Ravens. And I know the Ravens are currently on a two-game losing streak. And they recently uh, let go of Mark Tressman, the offensive coordinator. But let me say this, man. If, if anyone saw that football game between the Ravens and the Raiders, that was a back-and-forth contest where the Ravens came back when it didn't look like they were going to win. They were down by two scores. They came back, retook the lead, and then the Raiders retook the lead late in the game to pick up the, the win. Uh, that was a very impressive football game by the Raiders, by both teams. Whoever won that game definitely earned it, and the Raiders handed the Ravens their first loss of the season, of the young season. Uh, look, I, I mean, by the time it gets to week four, when a team is undefeated, if they're 3-0, uh, I mean, that, that team, they are to be taken very seriously. Every team is to, to, to be taken seriously, but 3-0 and is no joke, man. If, uh, if you're able to hand a team their first loss in week four, you earned it. You definitely earned it. So to say the Raiders haven't beaten anyone, uh, complete BS. I, I I can't sit here and say I agree with that statement at all. Uh, the way they defeated the, the San Diego Chargers, I know some luck played into it. But uh, look, again, a win is a win. You never apologize for winning in the National Football League. So that's just something I had to get off my chest because uh, I, I've seen a lot of Chiefs fans say that. And, and I, I'm, I wrote another post saying, hey, look. If we're going to say that about, about the the Raiders, Raiders fans could say the same exact thing about us, but, but the difference is Chiefs fans are wrong and Raiders fans would be right because the Raiders have beaten a quality opponent early so far this year. And again, it's a very it's a it's a it's somewhat of a young season. I mean, you've only played 5 teams, so uh, you know, it's impossible to be playing good teams every week so far in in just a, what a handful of games really uh, but so far from what we've seen, the Raiders have beaten uh, a very good team in the Ravens on the road, by the way, might I add. I just disagree with that statement. But as far as the Raiders overall, uh, just breaking down uh, the Raiders as a whole, Derek Carr, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League so far this season. And, and I've got to say, uh, of course, you have your Tom Brady's, your Drew Brees's of the world. Uh, you, you've got some... Top tier QBs, Aaron Rodgers, I'll, I'll even throw in there, even though he's kind of struggling this year. Uh, as far as those top tier guys, they're expected to retire within the next couple of years. Same with Big Ben. I, I mean, he's probably going to hang it up soon, uh, as well as Phillip Rivers. Once those guys step down, your next level of quarterbacks who are going to be top tier guys are going to be guys like Andrew Luck, Andy Dalton. Kirk Cousins, I'll even I'll even say Kirk Cousins. I I think he's doing somewhat of a good job this season. I think at least better than Alex Smith. I, I I'll say, and I'll even throw in the Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. And Carr is having a very in, in terms of passing yards, not necessarily a flashy season, but he's tied third in the NFL with Philip Rivers. For most touchdowns with 11 behind Matt Ryan, who has 12, and Ben Roethlisberger, who has 15, uh, almost had 20, uh, could have had 20 uh, up to this point after that game he had against the Chiefs. Only two interceptions for Derek Carr and has been sacked just five times. If you want to look at the top 10 quarterbacks in terms of how, how many touchdowns they have, none of them have been sacked as few amount of times as Derek Carr has. By the way, he's got a quarterback rating of 102.3, a passer rating, I should say, of 102.3. One of the best in the NFL right now. So this is a quarterback who, I've got to say, man, uh, Derek Carr, like I said, you know, when your new top-tier guys come out in a couple of years, Derek Carr is definitely a top-five guy, but... I'll even take it a step further and say, I think Derek Carr can truly be the best quarterback in the National Football League in, I'll say, three to four years. He, uh, Trust me, he will be 
maybe not necessarily number one in every single category, but he'll be in the top five in passing yards, touchdowns, and he'll have very few interceptions. That's how highly I think of Derek Carr, and I think a big part of it has to do with the talent that he has around him. Look at his receiving corps. Amari Cooper, who had a very good rookie season last year. Michael Crabtree, who this guy has resurrected his career after a horrible start in San Francisco. By the way, Crabtree has five touchdown grabs this year, 29 receptions. Just a very good season for Michael Crabtree. Amari Cooper has been getting a majority of the yards. He leads the team with 456 yards. But man, uh, this uh, this offense for the Oakland Raiders, very good. And just to look at Amari Cooper, I mentioned his uh, receiving yards. He is sixth in the NFL in that category. And in terms of the five touchdowns that Michael Crabtree has, he's tied first with three other guys, Antonio Brown, Jordy Nelson, former K-State Wildcat, and Larry Fitzgerald. So this is an offense that's, again, you cannot take this offense very lightly because of what they've been able to do through the air. And Kansas City does have a good pass defense. We saw what they were able to do against the New York Jets and take advantage of that poor passing, but this is not the New York Jets. I mean, you're not going up against Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're just not. So if I if I had to look at the Chiefs' defense versus Oakland's offense, I've got to say there's a huge mismatch between Marcus Peters and Steve Nelson going up against Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. Like, I, here's the thing: Marcus Peters, yes, he's he's been a ball hawk so far this season with four picks, uh, two against the Jets and two against the Texans. Almost had three against the Texans and against the Jets too. But listen, we all know, and the reason I predicted a bad season for Marcus Peters this year was because of the amount of passing yards he's given up. But it seems like we're getting the same Marcus Peters we saw his rookie season. A guy who gets a lot of interceptions, but gives up a ton of yards. And look, when you're targeted a lot, that's part of it. But being a being a number one cornerback, you're going to be targeted a lot. Because you're going up against their number one wide receiver. So they're going to be targeting their top wide out all game long. Of course, that's going to be the game plan. But I've got, I've got to tell you, I think Marcus Peters could get a pick and, and give David Carr... His third pick of the season. But as far as just the game overall, I'm not too confident in in this matchup. I'm really not. I think Amari Cooper is going to torch Marcus Peters. This is a huge mismatch if you are the Kansas City Chiefs because Marcus Peters is giving up a lot of yards so far this year and last year too. And on top of that, Amari Cooper is sixth in the NFL in receiving yards. So that's a huge mismatch for the Kansas City Chiefs on that. And Reggie, or pardon, not Reggie Nelson, Steve Nelson. On the other hand, going up against Michael Crabtree, that's a number two corner who's still learning the ropes as one of the starting cornerbacks. Going up against Crabtree, who's had number one duties before, now he's found himself in a more comfortable number two role with the Oakland Raiders, and he's one of the best in the NFL when it comes to receiving touchdowns. So, I mean, what, what do the Chiefs have to do about that? Look, your second, your, first of all, your pass rush has to be there for you. But look, with D. Ford and Frank Zombo, I'm not really, uh, yikes. That's all, I, that's all I've got to say. Tom Mahali is really your only reliable pass rusher. But Tom Mahali's not a down-for-down defensive player anymore. He's just not. And as far as this defensive line, I've got to tell you, Jay Howard and Allen Bailey, those two have been phenomenal the past couple of years for the Kansas City Chiefs. This year, we're not seeing the same Jay Howard and Allen Bailey. We're not seeing those guys who got that big money contract, uh, that earned their big money contracts uh, this year. We're just not. Dontari Poe, I think he, I think he's done some good things, but again, he's not in his Pro Bowl form either. Uh, last year, you know, I, I think the back surgery, that was a valid excuse at least. Uh, but this year, you know, he didn't have any of that. And he got off to a, a fairly good start. But this year has kind of slipped a little, little bit lately. Uh, I, I don't know what it's been for Dontari Poe. He, he's just been getting beat up by a lot of offensive linemen, interior offensive linemen. And I've got to tell you, uh, Rodney Hudson, we all know what he's capable of. And 
Uh, Clutchio Semele for the Oakland Raiders, the left guard, he's also been very good for them this year too. So this is going to be a hard interior offensive line to beat and to slip through if you want to get through Derek Carr. Like I said, only five sacks for Derek Carr this year. That's one of the best for quarterbacks who have played since week one. So as far as your pass rush there, again, Tom Bahali's your only guy who's really reliable on this front seven. Justin Houston, he he's he's practicing a little bit, but the Chiefs are not going to rush into anything. He's been cleared to do football activities, but again, they can't really rush him into anything. Derek Johnson, to me, I, I don't want to say he's your best defensive player because I still think that's Marcus Peters, but Derek Johnson is a guy who you can rely on every single game. Uh, Marcus Peters, my issue, my, my thing with him is the yards and that he's going to give up against Amari Cooper, which leads me to plan B, your safeties. Ron Parker, Eric Berry, Daniel Sorensen has been playing a lot this year. You're going to need your safeties to help you out in this football game. I, whether it's zone coverage, man-to-man, how you want to do it, uh, you know, whether you want the corners to play man and your safeties just to be ready to help out when needed, whether it's to go out uh, after a tight end and, and uh, Cliff Walford or get ready to help out Marcus Peters if Amari Cooper is coming vertically straight up the middle. Uh, that's that's going to be a very tricky option for the Chiefs defense. And that's something Bob Sutton has been uh, trying to figure out so far this week. That's not going to be a very easy game plan for the Chiefs to set up from a coaching standpoint. And I've got to tell you, if you're the Oakland Raiders You've got to feel really good about uh, this matchup coming into Sunday because the Chiefs' defense, they're not the same defense that we are so used to seeing from 2011 through 2015. Uh, This is kind of a banged-up Chiefs' defense. Uh, Of course, Justin Houston being out has a lot to do with it. Tom Bahali is getting older. He's not really playing a whole lot. Uh, the, The defensive line, just not where it needs to be. Uh, so it's been very hard to, to watch this Chiefs defense and, uh, Bill Musgrave, the offensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, a, a perfect storm for him. Uh, this is an opportunity for this Raiders offense to go out there, do some damage and, and, uh, make a bit of a statement too. Uh, I mean, let's, uh, let's not discredit the Raiders for what they've been able to do offensively. I'll, I'll just read you the totals this year. They scored 35 against the Saints, 28 against Atlanta, 17 against the Titans. That's the worst they've had, but they still won that football game. Then they scored 28 against the Ravens, and then 34 against the Chargers. And by the way, speaking of uh, these wins here, every single game the Raiders have played in this year, win or lose, has been decided by one possession. Now, in terms of their wins, they beat the Saints by one point, they beat the Ravens by one point. They beat the Chargers by three points. And then the Titans by one touchdown. So if you want to talk about a team that's been successful in clutch situations so far this year. And by the way, the CBS has pointed this out for two weeks in a row now. The Raiders have been involved in more one possession games than any other team in the National Football League going back to the start of last year. That tells you about their competitive edge and really just the advantage they have. They've been in this situation so many times that if it comes down to the wire between the Chiefs and Raiders, listen, man, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm covering my eyes. I, I'm not too confident. I, I've got to put my own money on the Raiders in that situation, in that scenario right there because the Raiders have been there and have been able to come through on top, whereas the Chiefs haven't. Now, let's flip the script and talk about the Chiefs' offense here, which, uh, gosh, I've got to tell you, man, has been quite a disappointment to me. I thought this offensive line was going to be very good this year. Uh, I take that back. Not very good. At at least above average. Mitchell Schwartz has been very good. Uh, Eric Fisher, who has been uh, one of the top paid tackles this year, uh, not horrible like he was early on, but he's, he's not great either. He's not playing like a top paid left tackle. Zach Fulton, uh, not too much of him, not not a lot of highlights. Mitch Morris, uh, man, he's been awful this year. He really has. Pro Football Focus has him as one of the worst centers this year. Uh, His grade, to be exact, is 46.3. Not good at all if uh, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif hasn't really done a lot either. That interior offensive line for the Chiefs has not been good. The tackles... 
okay, they've been good. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz, I'd say, is good. Eric Fisher, above average, maybe, at best. Uh, but this is not a uh, very good Chiefs offensive line. And it does not bode well when you see what the Raiders have. They've got they've got talent all over this defense. They really do. They suffered a big loss when they lost former Kansas Jayhawk Ben Heaney, uh, who I was excited for him personally, I, of course, as a Kansas fan. Uh, I remember he was second in the nation in solo tackles for two years in a row coming uh, coming into the NFL. Uh, and as a, I think, a fourth-round or a fifth-round draft pick, I can't remember, uh, he's been able to evolve as a starter for the Raiders. I was really hoping the Chiefs could land him, but not the case. Uh, but, of course, dealing with an injury, so he's not available for this game. But uh, still, that Raiders uh, front seven right there, that defense... Uh, that's going to be tough to beat. And Stacey McGee, one of the defensive ends for the Raiders. The Raiders don't have a very good defensive line. Uh, I mean, they've got uh, Williams and Ward uh, right up there up front. But McGee's been the better defensive lineman for the Raiders. And then, of course, you have Khalil Mack, who's just a monster. I mean, he, he played the left-end spot for a little bit, but now he's playing left-outside linebacker for the Oakland Raiders. And he's been very good for, for, the, for the Raiders ever since he's been drafted in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. That's when he came out. So just a very good overall football player Khalil Mack is. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's, I, I think Khalil Mack, who again has just one sack, I think he can get a pair of sacks in this game. I'll even throw a sack towards Stacey McGee's way. I, I, I think this is another guy who can go out there and make a play. Bruce Irvin, who came over from the Seattle Seahawks, uh, he's also been doing a good job for them so far this year, has two sacks for the Raiders. And this is a, this is just a, a, a defense that they've got a really good front seven. Let's talk about their secondary. You've got former Chief Sean Smith, who had a really bad start against that uh, the Saints. Um, and that forced the Raiders to come back in that game. But since then, Sean Smith has actually done pretty well. He's got a pair of interceptions. He leads the team in interceptions so far this year. It's funny, Chiefs fans, when he went over to the Raiders, Chiefs fans then had this narrative of, oh, he gave up a lot of yards against Sammy Watkins, which, by the way, that was in the first half. He made the right second-half adjustments and, of course, got help from Eric Berry in that game in the second half. But to say that he's uh, he's not a loss just for one bad half is ludicrous. Sean Smith's been one of the most underrated quarterbacks we have seen uh, the past few years. And the Raiders picked up a a great quarterback in him. David Amerson, uh, again, very, very underrated quarterback uh, David Amerson is. He's got an interception this year. I think that duo of Amerson and Smith, that's a scary one, especially considering what you have in your front seven with Bruce Irvin, Khalil Mack, Stacey McGee, that's the that's the kind of pass rush I expected the Chiefs to have uh, again this year. That's what we've seen from them in the past couple of years. But we haven't seen that much from the Chiefs this year. And that's something the Raiders have been able to get. Uh, and uh, that I mean that that's going to be tough to beat if you're Kansas City's if you're Kansas City if you're God who's the offensive coordinator even is it is it Andy Reid is it Brad Childress. Is it Nagy? I mean, who is it? I don't even know. Uh, I, I mean, you don't even have a, a play caller. It's it's still your head coach, even though you have co-offensive coordinators, which uh, I, I think is mind-boggling. I, I don't know how an offense can function like that. I, I talked about that in last week's podcast. But this Raiders defense, they've got a lot of talent across the board. And, and Perry Riley, who's been filling in for Ben Heaney, he hasn't played much, but in, in, in the little time he has played, he's been able to get six tackles and force a fumble. And by the way, speaking of fumbles, Reggie Nelson has recovered two of them so far this year. So when it comes to the turnover category, the Raiders have five interceptions and five fumble recoveries. Ten forced fumbles, by the way, too. One of the best in the NFL. So this is a defense that's Quite honestly, what the Chiefs should be. And they're not. And again, I can understand Justin Houston's injury to be part of that. But still, I still think the Chiefs have a lot of talent all across this defense. And that defense hasn't showed up this year. Whereas the Raiders, before the season, I would say the Raiders were probably still in need of some improvement. They had talented players, but they don't have, you know, 11 good defensive players. But today, I I mean, I would say they've got 
a lot of great players across the board, except for the defensive line outside of Stacey McGee. Uh, Reggie Nelson hasn't been great in coverage, but still has been able to find a way to help the team come up with takeaways. Uh, and then Ward and Williams uh, have been great, but outside of that, this is a Raiders defense that's that's been very good. Chris Conley, you know, he got a lot of a lot of garbage time stats, as I like to call it. Uh, many people call it that. Uh, basically padding stats against the Steelers. That's all he did. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, I, uh, what have we seen from him this year? I really don't know. Travis Kelsey, he's been okay this year, not great. Uh, by the way, I, 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 don't, I, I had no idea he had the TV show coming out. I knew about the TV show. I just didn't know when it was coming out. Apparently, Sports Radio A10 is doing some sort of uh, post-TV show uh, recap. Kind of like Talking Dead for the for Walking Dead fans. Um I'm not interested in it. Uh, I just hope it's not a distraction. Uh, I, I'm not seeing a lot of people really talk about it, so I don't think anyone even cares. Uh, Jamal Charles is expected to play a whole lot more. He's actually expected to be the primary running back this week for the Chiefs, so maybe the Chiefs will look a lot different. Of course, he can make any offensive line look good, but still he's got to have help from that offensive line at the same time. Uh, so I, I, I don't really know what to expect from the Chiefs' offense. I, I don't know if, if I even have expectations even with Jamal Charles back, it's his first game. He's going to be a little rusty, isn't he? Uh, I don't know really how to look at this uh, Chiefs offense matching up against the Raiders. I actually think this is a lot scarier than the Chiefs defense. Even though Marcus Cooper, or pardon me, Marcus Peters has allowed a lot of yards, you still have something to have hope for when you look at Marcus Peters. You, you, that defensive pass rush could come through at any time. You never know. Whereas a Chiefs offense, is there any hope when you look at that offensive line? You know they're going to allow sacks regardless. Uh, Macklin, I mean, he's a guy who has not been very good this year. And Travis Kelsey been your most reliable offensive target. And Alex Smith, I think we're at the point now where, look, this is year four and you're still struggling. This offense is still a, a work in progress, and it shouldn't be that way in your fourth year. It should not. As you can guess by my tone and the way I've been talking about this football game, I've got the Raiders winning this game. Uh, I'm not going to make it some big mystery and uh, continue to talk about this game and break it down. I just don't see the Chiefs winning this football game. I really don't. There are so many mismatches on offense, let's count the mismatches. Not that you guys would be too excited to hear that, but listen, I, I think we've got to we've got to be real with ourselves too. Uh, Marcus, uh, I, I, keep, I keep saying Marcus Cooper, um, Amari Cooper against Marcus Peters with the yardage right there. I give the advantage to Cooper. I still do think Peters does come away with a pick at at some point in this game, though. Uh, Crabtree against Nelson. Uh, well, look, uh, when it comes to the end zone, I'll take Crabtree any day. And quite honestly, I think Carr w- could easily get 300 yards in this football game. I really do. The Raiders offensive line against Kansas City's front seven. Uh, give me the Raiders offensive line. Uh, I'll take them any day over the Chiefs front seven, especially with a limited Tom Bahali and Derek or, uh, Dontari Poe being your only good pass rusher. So there's three so far. The offensive line over the defense, the the front defense, uh, Cooper over Peters, and then Crabtree over Nelson. So that's three so far. And that's just the Raiders offense versus the Chiefs defense. Let's look at the Chiefs offense against Oakland's D. Uh, Macklin over Emerson. Uh, I don't buy it. I, I, I just can't. Emerson, again, so underrated, just like Sean Smith. Uh, I just don't see it at all. Sean Smith, by the way, your number two wide receiver when he's going up against guys like Chris Conley and Tyreek Hill or Albert Wilson. Yeah, sure, they've got a lot of speed, but I don't think enough to torch Sean Smith by any means. Uh, so now we're up to five. The offensive line versus the Raiders. Uh... Yeah, again, the Raiders don't have a great defensive line, but if you want to sit here and rank all the players when it comes to the Chiefs offensive line and the Raiders front seven, uh, I would have to say Khalil Mack and Stacey McGee are, are, your, are the two best guys uh, uh, among this group, then Mitchell Schwartz, 
And then after that, I'll, t- I'll take the rest of the Raiders front seven, man. Uh, I mean, the, the rest of the players are just bad. Uh, the, the Raiders defensive line, not very good. Uh, Casey's offensive line, uh, same thing uh, in the in the bad category. But gosh, man, uh, I, I still think Khalil Mack and Stacey McGee is enough for the Raiders to at least get to Alex Smith three or four times in this football game. I, I, I really do. So. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to the Raiders. There are six mismatches for the Chiefs going into this game. And if I'm a Vegas gambler, which I'm not in, by the way, I'm not going to bet on this game. I, I'm not a big gambler at all. Uh, you, you, you never know with sports sometimes. But still, if I was a betting man, if I if I had to go to the sports book this weekend, uh, I, I'm, I'm putting my money on the Raiders. I, I, I just am. Uh, I just don't see... Where the Chiefs have the advantage? Where, where do they have the advantage in this football game? Where? There isn't any. There really isn't. Maybe Jamal Charles can outrun this entire Raiders defense, but uh, kind of like how he did in 2013, but uh, this is a much different Raiders football team uh, in 2016 versus 2013. You're just not going to get Jamal Charles uh, scoring on those screenplays all the time. You're, you're just not. As far as my score prediction, uh, I'll I'll give the Raiders. I I, I was going to say two possessions, but I think that's too generous from a chief standpoint. I say the Raiders win by three scores. I really do. I think it's going to be a thirty-one to fourteen football game. Uh, I just think the Raiders come out dominating on all cylinders, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, I didn't even talk about the Raiders' rushing attack, by the way. Latavius Murray, who got his fame against the Kansas City Chiefs on that Thursday night game a couple of years ago, uh, he, he's very doubtful for this game. Uh, the Mercury News is reporting that uh, his chances are dwindling. But as far as the rest of this uh, group of rushing backs, DeAndre Washington, uh, off 32 carries, he's averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Uh, no touchdowns yet. Latavius Murray has been getting most of them. Uh Jalen Richard, uh, he's ran the ball 25 times. He has a 7.0 yard per carry average. And again, that's just me reading stats here. As far as on the field, these are guys who can do a lot of damage. And the numbers kind of give that away. So, man, if I am the Raiders, not only would I exploit that. Of course, like I said with Derek Carr, I think he does get 300 yards against the Chiefs defense, but if if I'm Oakland, I, I'll, I would consider running the ball a little bit too. Don't tire out Derek Carr with his arm. He's capable of the 300 yards, but don't you want to save that for maybe a bigger game? Because again, you don't want to put a lot on game film when you know you can be diverse and uh, just, just be versatile with your offense. Because what's Kansas City's defense going to do to stop a guy like Richard or Washington. The Raiders have three different running backs who have ran for 170 yards. Washington has 170. Murray has 172. And that's off 40 carries. And Richard has done it off 25 carries, getting 175. (laughs) That is a good group of running backs that the Raiders have. And again, in this era where... Not many teams are running the ball as much. The Raiders are one of the better football teams when it comes to, to to running the football. I know the Chiefs haven't had that much of luck when it comes to rushing. And maybe Jamal Charles' absence is part of that. But still, uh, we haven't seen much with Spencer Ware and Char Kendrick West on the ground so far this year. It's mostly been through the air versus on the ground. But Oakland's... Rushing attack, man, I've got to tell you, uh, they're ninth when it comes to rushing yards, but in terms of just the individual players, the success that they have when it comes to running, uh, I mean, they're dangerous. They really are. And I think it's overshadowed because of what the offense is capable of doing. Kansas City, by the way, 18th stopping the run. So this is an opportunity for the Raiders to do a ton of damage. 
I think it's going to be somewhat of a fun game to watch, which I know sounds weird because I said the Raiders are going to just shellack the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. But still, what I think is is at least enticing about this matchup, you have Marcus Peters, who is a league leader. He leads the NFL in interceptions. You have Amari Cooper as one of the top uh, re- receivers when it comes to yards. You've got Crabtree, again, who's tied first in the NFL in touchdowns. So you've got some some league leaders who are going to be playing in this game. That, that, that'll make the matchup a little more interesting. Uh, but again, my only hope in this game is if Marcus Peters just goes off and has a pair of interceptions, maybe three interceptions. Uh, other than that, I don't really have a lot of confidence in this Chiefs team to come out on top. So uh, again, I'll give my, my score again. 31-14, to 14, Oakland. Possibly in the future, I'll be saying uh, Las Vegas against Kansas City. All right, let's go around the NFL. All right, uh, NFL ratings just have not been very good this year, and the NFL has finally spoke out about this. Uh, What do you know? The kings of uh, TV not doing too well this year. Uh, The NFL just uh, not really where it needs to be in terms of ratings. Uh... You know, there have been a lot of reasons for this. The, uh, I mean, the protests and pe- the outrage from that, I think, have turned fans away from the NFL. They're also blaming it on the elections, which I do not agree with. I mean, look, the, uh, the, the presidential speeches, they are not happening every single night. They're just not. Sure, there might be a lot of coverage, but let's be honest, man. When you're working 9 to 5, you come home, you turn on the news uh, on CNN or wherever it might be, you get your dose of your news on the weekend you just want to get away from reality and just watch football so i don't know what the deal is with the nfl but listen if the raiders the raiders the ratings if the ratings are continuing to dominate or pardon me uh if they're continuing to get dominated it's only going to get worse and i'll tell you why when season i think it's season five yes season five when season five of the walking dead came out uh, season 4 ended on a gigantic cliffhanger. I don't want to spoil it, especially for those who are behind on Netflix uh, trying to catch up on the series. But Season 4 ended on a big cliffhanger. When Season 5 started, The Walking Dead murdered the NFL in ratings. And by the way, The Walking Dead is a cable television show on AMC. A, a channel that people probably did not even know of until Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead, honestly. Now, I bring up The Walking Dead because even if you're not a Walking Dead fan, you you surely have at least seen this on social media. The Walking Dead ended on an even bigger cliffhanger to end Season 6. So to bring back Season 7, there's a lot of anticipation from Walking Dead fans. And again, The Walking Dead has beat up the NFL before when it comes to ratings. And to be quite honest, if this is happening with the NFL, if the ratings are falling apart, I I, I just see it getting worse. And I think The Walking Dead is going to play a big hand in that. All right, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones uh, recently did an interview saying that uh, this is Tony Romo's football team, and he would come back to be the starter, basically, which is ludicrous. This is what Herm Edwards did in 2006 when Damon Heward was having a great season. He had 11 touchdowns, one interception, did a phenomenal job leading the Chiefs, filling in for Trent Green, and then when Trent Green came back, that almost cost the Chiefs a spot in the playoffs. The Chiefs needed a miracle to get through, which they did, but then they just got beat up in the postseason because Trent Green was just awful that whole year especially in that postseason game against the Colts. You do not want to make the same mistake that Herm Edwards made if you are the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott is doing just fine. The Cowboys are 4-1. The Cowboys were the worst football team last year. They had Matt Castle as their quarterback last year for crying out loud. We all know how bad Matt Castle is. Brandon Whedon was at one point your quarterback. So why are you switching QBs? Stay with Dak Prescott. You're winning with him. Don't make the same mistake Herm Edwards made with the Chiefs in 2006. You just don't want to do that, especially when you have the success. Let's go out of bounds.
to tell you, uh, I'm not a big baseball watcher. Uh, I, I'm really not. Uh, I mean, I'll follow the Royals very closely, but outside of that, I, I really don't follow baseball much. What the Cubs have been able to do this year has been really phenomenal. And, and of course, as Royals fans, you like it even more because guess who's on the team? Ben Zobris. And he's been very clutch so far in the postseason. And the Cubs have been kind of fun to watch this year, uh, especially when the Royals are not playing. You kind of have this objective uh, spectating viewpoint when you're watching these baseball games for once, uh, unless you're not a Royals fan, even though some of you guys are Chiefs fans, uh, I, I understand that, but it's been kind of fun watching the Cubs and Ben Zobras do what they've been doing all season long, and I, I've got to say, I, I'm rooting for the Cubs, for one, I, I just think it's nice to finally see the Cubs have the success and finally get a, a chance, they had it I think in 2003 or 04. Uh, this is the best chance they've had since then, and it'd be nice to see them win a World Series, especially with Ben Zobris, who's now, I, I guess he's going to be like the Robert Horry of baseball now, just being on championship teams wherever he goes. The Florida Panthers, uh, they showed a, an outstanding uh, tribute uh, this uh, this week uh, when they honored Jose Fernandez Every single player showed up with the number 16 jersey, and all of them had Fernandez on the back of the jersey, which I think is really cool. Now, I don't live in Florida. Uh, I I don't live in the Miami area or anything, but uh, I I think it's safe to say that the pro athletes there, they've got some sort of bond. They've got some sort of a relationship there. Uh, I think it's really cool when you see this cross-platform with pro athletes that play different sports in a city. Just show unity like this. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, good for the Florida Panthers. You know, for, for for as much negative news there is with pro athletes these days, it's nice to see something like this. It's nice to see a very special tribute that the Florida Panthers put on display all wearing Jose Fernandez jerseys uh, in their playoff games uh, or in their game uh, this week. So very cool to see from the Florida Panthers. Just a very cool tribute. Uh, look it up online if you get a chance. The, especially the crowd's response is really cool to that. Uh, let's talk about my favorite sport, MMA, mixed martial arts. Ronda Rousey's back. She's back, people. And I've got to tell you, she deserves a title shot better than anyone right now against Amanda Nunes at UFC 207 because, let's be honest, man, the UFC uh, women's bantamweight title has been a hot potato. It, from, it went from Rousey to Holly Holm, from Holm to Misha Tate, from Tate to Amanda. Amanda beat the crap out of Misha Tate at UFC 200. I mean, that was just brutal. Now, Ronda, she had six title defenses, successful title defenses, so she deserves an immediate rematch. The whole going away for a year, I mean, that might be bad for her. She might come out a little rusty. Uh, kind of like how John Jones did when he was away for a long time and came back at UFC 197. Uh, but, you know, she took advantage of some acting gigs, some modeling gigs. I know Luke Rockhold does that. I know um, Paige Van Zandt also does that, one of the women's strawweight fighters. By the way, Luke Rockhold, man, that guy, I mean, God built him to look good, to make every single man on this planet be jealous of Luke Rockhold and just uh, the way he carries his body. And, uh, of course, all the modeling gigs that he gets. Uh, and, of course, being a fighter, uh, I mean, he, he's obviously very good at it. He was a champion at one point. Um, you can just tell, I mean, God built him to look good and to pick, pick up any lady that he wants to get. I mean, that's Luke Rockhold in a nutshell. But, anyway, going back to Ronda Rousey. Um, you know, she she deserves it. The women's bantamweight division is not very good. There are a couple of up-and-coming fighters like Juliana Pena and uh, uh, Shevchenko. I, I hope that's how you say your name. Uh, other than that, there's no one really worthy of it other than Ronda. Ronda had six successful defenses, and she probably deserves uh, a shot before anyone else. Uh, and quite honestly... I think that'll be a fun match to watch. She's been a little rusty, so she may not be as dominant. Maybe she'll be dominant right away. Who knows? Uh, nonetheless, I'm excited to see her back. Uh, if, if you like her, you're happy. If you hate her, you want to see her get knocked out again. So either way, it's good for every MMA fan. Time to throw some penalty flags.
All right, uh, I, I attended the World Series of Fighting. It's um, it's a promotion that's a couple levels uh, below the UFC. It's like the minor league of promotions, uh, which, by the way, of course, uh, if you didn't notice, I'm a huge MMA fan. Uh, I, I attended a Municipal Auditorium. First time there, a nice old-school arena. Uh, at the end of the National Anthem, I saw it coming when fans were singing along towards the end. People said, Home of the Chiefs. At the end of the anthem, now, I don't hear it as much at Royals games because it's baseball. It's baseball time, and uh, I, I guess eighty-one games. Look, you just don't do it. There might be one or two drunk people who do it at Royals games, but given how successful the Royals have been, uh, you know, I, I guess Chiefs fans aren't chanting that at, at the K. I don't know. Uh, they used to do it. Uh, they do it every now and then at uh, KU basketball games, and Bill Self gets really upset about that. Why are people chanting Chiefs at non-Chiefs events? Like you're at an MMA match. Plus the people the, singing the national anthem, they probably don't even realize what's being said. They may not be even from Kansas City, and they might think they're getting booed or they're being shouted at or something. Uh, maybe they tell them beforehand, hey, look, just FYI, Chiefs, fan, Chiefs fans like to... Say Chiefs when you say the word brave when you sing it. Uh, I don't know. I hope they do. Um, why are we cha- why are we saying that at non-Chiefs events? I just don't get it. I mean, I'll, I chuckle, but then I'm like, man, what, what? This is not a Chiefs game. This is this is mixed martial arts I'm at. Oh man, I I, I just don't like it. Speaking of the event I attended at WSOF, uh, it was the 33rd event they did. There are two fighters who I'm throwing a flag at. Uh, I, I don't remember their names off the top of my head. One of them is Jason High, who is from Kansas City. I hate c- kind of throwing a flag at uh, a KC native, but uh, two fighters, uh, both angry with the officials for uh, the way they officiated the match. They both took off as soon as they lost. They didn't even save for the decision. They Normally, when, when an MMA match ends, the referee holds both their hands, even if it's a knockout, even if you know who won. Uh, unless it goes to a judge's score decision, uh, you obviously, I mean, it's up in the air. But uh, even after a knockout, the referee holds both of their hands and he will raise the hand of whoever the winner is. The losing fighters, one of them tapped out, one of them uh, TKO'd. Both of them just bolted out of the uh, the octagon, or decagon in this case. It's a 10-sided uh, cage that they have. They didn't even say for the decision because they were so frustrated with the officials. Actually went home and watched on TV and the officials were just fine. I hate to say it, but these are sore losers. I mean, what are you doing going out there in the first place? If you're just going to cry and be upset. For, given that the sport that they are, they're in fight, as fighters, you know, you're going to go run off and cry because the refs didn't call it your way. Big deal. It happens all the time in all those sports. Get over it. I mean, look, you're, you're, you're in mixed martial arts, you're a fighter, and you're going to show this unsportsmanship after you lose. Which, again, they were frustrated with the refs, but I watched it back. I, I, I did not disagree with what the refs did in, in those uh, two fights. So, just sore losers. That's all it is. And by the way, I mean, they're not all, like, tough, tough guys, like, mean guys. I remember I once saw Chuck Liddell at the Vegas airport. I was so scared to approach him. I actually thought he was going to knock me out if I asked for a picture. Uh, People started asking him for pictures. I even walked up to him and asked. And super cool, dude. Uh, I I attend uh, Shamrock FC at a Mirror Star Casino every now and then. And, you know, I'll approach a fighter. I'll be like, hey, man, good fight. And they're actually very cool, very humble. So uh, they're not as uh, intimidating as you might think, uh, MMA fighters. So they're, they're pretty cool, actually, to talk to. That'll do it for the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Uh, as I mentioned, I'll be in Vegas enjoying this uh, match matchup between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Hopefully it'll be closer than I think it'll be. Uh, but I just I just don't see how, what edge the Chiefs have, what where they have the upper hand in this match. And I think it's going to be one-sided, and I think there could be some concerns coming off that Steelers loss and a bye week and... Uh, possibly another uh, one-sided uh, game uh, the Chiefs could be dealing with. Big thanks for you guys for listening to the Chiefs on Podcast. I am Farzine Vasugi, and thank you again for downloading and listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and please share it on social media with your friends. Always appreciated. 
when you guys do that. Be sure you guys like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, or search my name, Farzine Vesugian, on Facebook. Just give it a like and interact with me on there. I'll still be interacting with you guys during the game, even though I'll be in Vegas. So uh, be sure you guys do like the page, and we'll talk about the game as it's happening and talk a little bit afterwards as well. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at farzine twenty one. Uh, I'll also be tweeting uh, during the game as well, so I'll still be active on social media, even though I'll be on vacation this week. Again, thank you guys so much for downloading and listening to the podcast. Be sure you follow me and like the social media pages. Uh, Real quickly, setting up next week, I'll be back on Monday, so I may not have an opportunity to record the podcast until Tuesday or Wednesday, so we will just do one giant podcast next week. Well, I'll recap the Raiders match, and then I'll preview the game between the Chiefs and and the Saints at Arrowhead Stadium uh, the following Sunday, so be sure you stay tuned for that. I'm Farzim Vestugan. Thank you again for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Take care.